Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. This week, we're talking about ITLC, and we're joined by our guest today, Max. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you mind telling the audience a quick 30-second pitch about who you are? I'm Max. Uh, I do a couple podcasts online. I have a show called Pod Agreed, where me and my friends talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! I have a show called Wow Cool Robot, where I talk with my friends about Mobile Suit Gundam, the whole franchise. And I have a show called Slappers Only, a video game music showdown podcast, where I talk about music, even though I am not qualified to do so. Hey, that's okay. I have a show where I talk about manga, and I'm not qualified to talk about it. But up up but up but much like I have a podcast about being happy, and oh, oh boy, no. should Aww. I not be doing that? <laughs> not to brag, but I've got crippling depression. Hell yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo. Should we get into the mega details? Yes, for sure. This series was created by Kazusa Inaoka, and I also noticed that USA is in his name, so we're just running into USA again. That was in uh, Hell Ward and Higuma, yeah. This guy also made a canceled manga called Invade You and Buckyton. So those are two different series to clarify. And this series ran from February 1st, 2021 to June 28th, 2021. If you weren't aware, actually had our first ever listener poll of what series we should cover next. And this barely managed to beat by maybe one or two votes, Nine Balls Dragon baseball manga. So it was a really tight one. Fun. Definitely we'll do it again next time there's more series that get canceled really close to each other like that. Once again, democracy shows that it is superior. Yeah, it's the process. Trust the process. Hopefully this isn't the Donald Trump of manga. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I still can't believe it. I was at my girlfriend's grandparents' grandma's house and she had a book, How Jesus Will Prove Donald Trump Will Win in 2020. Tremendous. <laughs> Just wonderful literature. Good bathroom reading. But someone point out there, maybe they were like on like a second level like leftist and that's why that book was in the bathroom. <laughs> It's ironic. Okay, I get it now. Oh, man. It's not the case, but that's what I'm going to tell myself. She's an artist. I totally could see a lot of people having Trump's book in Mm -hmm. their bathroom for that reason. Yeah. (laughs) God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, let me just be the first one to say ACAB in this podcast, too. Yeah! Can I be the second person to say ACAB in this podcast? Yeah. How about you, Jordan? Third person, ACAB. Yeah, hat trick. Let's go. Yeah. That's the third most ACAB I've seen today. (laughs) nice nice oh you'd have to listen to the warm-up audio to get why that's funny listener yeah subscribe to our patreon to get that joke (laughs) so speaking of third this actually ran for three volumes over 20 chapters so bam right in the let's cancel it as soon as we can yeah just like hell warden unfortunately and a fun fact i learned about this is the title is a play on aishiteru some japanese word aishiteru yes which means I love you. Jordan has talked about in the past, Japanese people sometimes will do like weird English names that don't really make a lot of sense to a native English speaker. But when you're Japanese, it just seems like something cool. Just one of those like untranslatable jokes that were you this native speaker, you're like, oh, it's very clever. And you're American. I was like, I don't know how to pronounce this. They did have one really good pun that I'll get into in the miscellaneous thoughts. Mm -hmm. Before we do that, we've got a ways to go. So let's dive into about the manga itself. Sound good? Yeah. Yes. Jordan, why don't you take us away with your Emmy Award nominated, soon to be winning, we'll find out, plot summary. Oh, I know that I deserve it. I'll vote for you. (laughs) Thank you. After being the victim of an unsolved kidnapping, Detective Risa Ayoi has developed an obsessive love of criminals, becoming a stalker who wishes to help them bear the weight of their sins rather than arresting them. Though she winds up creeping them out so much that they wind up turning themselves into her partners anyway. Those partners are Detective Brothers Ukon and Sakon Futatsuki. After catching a murderer, an arsonist, and a serial killer, 
Sakon takes Ukon and Risa on a vacation to Uhira Manor, where a serial killer murdered 13 victims 10 years ago. There they meet Ataru Kagami, a traveling novelist doing research for his next book, who is secretly Hikaru Kagamino, Aoi's original kidnapper, who Aoi surprisingly detests, actually. Kagamino kills Ukon and frees Nobuto Uhira, the serial killer's son of the hotel owner, who immediately kills his father and tries to kill them. Risa confronts Nobuto and, by giving him love, causes him to sacrifice himself by jumping off a cliff with Kagamino, who survives but never shows up again because the series is cancelled. Sakon and Aoi are placed in the imaginary lowercase i division, headed by the eccentric Chief Akiraka, who tells Aoi that she has to start actually arresting people. The i division immediately heads to an armed bank robbery where Aoi actually does arrest the perpetrator, a punk rocker who lost his band, his wife, and his parents. A few years past, that was all the prologue, a criminal named Phantom Thief Mar has been stealing priceless works of art, defacing them and then returning them, building up a huge following of devoted fans. While the I Division discusses them, Phantom Thief Mar suddenly appears to drop off their newly defaced artwork, revealing that she is, in fact, a beautiful woman, and Aoi immediately falls in love with her. Aoi captures Mar in a helicopter and flies her to a beach. It turns out Mar is Mamiya Kaizuka, the granddaughter of a famous artist who drove her father to suicide by never recognizing him for his art skills. She wants to make herself famous in order to raise the importance of her father's portrait of her, which went missing. Risa, however, found the portrait and gives it to Mar, who then gives Aoi a kiss and is arrested. Finally, a teen boy named Aichi Endo throws a firebomb at an officer and barricades himself in a room with a bomb strapped to his chest, ready to go off unless somebody can figure out the password. Aoi guesses it correctly by asking him a bunch of seemingly unrelated questions. The boy's strict mother comes into the interrogation room to scold him, but Aoi slaps her and is suspended from the force. Some time passes and Endo has joined the I investigation team while Aoi is out catching another criminal with love. Wow, that was longer than, uh... <laughs> I meant it to be. That was tough. There was a lot of Japanese names in there. Mm-hmm. You did great. Thank you. I feel like I just realized now, though, is it the I division lowercase? Cause, like, it's an how... imaginary number. Okay, thanks for taking what I was going to say. You're welcome, David. I hate you so much. <laughs> this is going to be the episode where we yell at each other, by the way. Oh, yeah. I love it. I was brought on as a guest, but really, I'm, I'm the mediator that y'all hired to get you through this friendship that's falling apart over <laughs> our disagreement over this manga I tell C. <laughs> Mango about mental health is what causes us to have a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Although I don't know if I'd say that's what it is about, but um, also that's because David just didn't get it, I don't think. Mm. Me and Max, though, we got this series. It's much like Rick and Morty. I'm just not smart enough to really understand nuances. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a very high IQ to understand I tell C. Yeah, I have an I tell C tattoo, but only the ladies may see it. I might get an I tell C tattoo. No, fuck off. <laughs> You're too Jewish to get it, a tattoo. It's illegal. That's anti-Semitic. Anyway. <laughs> what? It's literally against the Jewish religion to get tattoos. I know, David. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't worry. We're both Jewish, Max. This wasn't a sudden weird guide off. <laughs> As a, someone who's been raised Catholic, I'm also used to turning my religion into just, you know, a goof for my purposes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, does anyone want to talk about the main character? I would love to talk about the main character. More like Aoi would love to. Hey! Ah, okay, all right. Oh, Bazinga, go for it, Jordan. Lowercase I. <laughs> 
would like to talk about Risa Aoi. She is the main character. She is somebody who is obsessed with criminals because she wants to help them. She feels that they have something uh, terrible in their life that is causing them to commit these crimes, or at the very least, they're bearing the weight of, as she says, their sins. It's really interesting because it almost feels like she's incidentally a cop. The only reason she's a cop is because it gives her access to a lot of the resources that allow her to do this. And by this, I mean she breaks into people's houses and goes through mm-hmm. their trash and does all these weird, creepy things. Wait, that's illegal? Uh-oh. It's not if you're a cop, which she is, so it's fun. Okay, all right, yeah, understand. This series was very woke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. I love Risa, though. She's a very, very fun main character. She'll do something terrifying or something, but she'll do it with, like, the biggest smile on her face mm-hmm. and hearts for eyes, and she's just so happy. It's great. Yeah, the literal hearts in her eyes, I think, is, like, one of the really striking character traits. She stands out really well, like among other manga that I read, and also just like as a character, because it's, it's the hearts combined with she's always wearing plaid. It gives us a nice little bit of visual flair that kind of like, yeah, you can always like tell, even if you'd never read, oh, that's the main character, obviously. You gotta tell she's doing pretty well in the police to dress like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just really like her. She uh, doesn't really uh, care what your crime is. She's there to help. And one thing I really like about this series is that it's basically saying, look, we know that these people do horrible things, but like they're still human, you know, they still mm-hmm. have these emotions. Like the serial killer was really interesting because the series doesn't take the time to be like, hey, it was okay that he committed those murders, but it was still like this guy was like helped by Ioi reaching out to him. And I think there's something very powerful in that message. It was a genuinely very touching moment because, yeah, he may have chopped off like 13 hands or whatever, but, you know, he's still a human being worthy of love. And it's very nice to see something that like kind of hard hitting so like early on in a manga that was, in my opinion, unjustly canceled. Spoilers, Max. But like, um, I thought it was so interesting because the way that she finds out about the uh, neglect that he suffered is that she read his father's uh, journal, which he just left there. And it basically detailed, yeah, me and my wife noticed that our son was incredibly violent and killed birds when he was about 10 years old. And we just immediately stopped loving him, Mm -hmm. which is like incredibly tragic. I mean, it is also just like, yeah, you could see how that would be terrifying if you were the parent and you saw your kid just violently lashing out at like um, animals. And I don't think the manga is trying to say that you shouldn't be creeped out by that. But it's also like it's still really fucking sad sad for this 10 year old to just have parents who suddenly decide yeah um you're too creepy for us we don't love you anymore yeah i mean that is like one of the by the books like sociopath as if animal abuse i believe yeah i also appreciate that i feel like is she the first shonen jump protagonist we've read that is bi or pansexual yeah shonen jump hates lesbians this is like a thing a known quantity the girl from Chainsaw Man. So it's definitely a sign Shonen Jump is more willing to openly show LGBT behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. that The Chainsaw Man situation was very recent. And also, they got so mad at uh, Fujimoto for doing that that they cut out the last page in the initial uh, printing because it had a lesbian orgy on it. <laughs> Tremendous. Guys, listen to Shonen Flop. Chainsaw Man's good. Anyway. Yeah, Chainsaw Man. Can't believe we already did it. Anyway, what's amazing here is um, when Aoi uh, falls in love with 
Mar, and I'm, I think the implication is that, like, she's more pansexual, because it seems like it's not just that, like, she's into a certain gender, it's, it's almost like she just doesn't see gender, it's like, you're a criminal, and I love you. Yeah. It ends with them basically uh, kissing, which I've never seen in Shonen Jump. Yeah. And the author has to hide it. It's a kiss to the side, but still. You see the immediate aftermath of the kiss, and then mm-hmm. there's like bubbles over Ioi's face. It's very clear that like this author was struggling to find a way to have two girls kiss in his manga that wasn't going to get edited out. I feel like we're getting a little off topic because we are still in the character section. Okay. The next character is Sakon Futatsuki. He is hot-headed, loves working out. He is the twin brother of Ukon, who is another guy there. Um, <laughs> he's another guy there. And the thing about Sakon is that he is just constantly working out. Like, there are dumbbells everywhere. This is Mashal level of pumping iron, David. It's a silly gag. It's so persistent that you still get a chuckle even when he's like just lifting weights and like just completely inappropriate situations. This series has like a lot of One Piece style quirks where people just have like a quirk that's just like really weird and zany. You know, like a One Piece of the guy who always had food stuck on his face or the guy who has a pacifier. And it's like this where the guy who always eats candy or the guy who just has a million dumbbells on him. I feel like they're a little bit more than just one note. He's constantly uh, eating like health stuff. Like there's a joke where the chief tries to drink his beer and it's protein beer and it's disgusting. He has a giant protein bar pillow. I really like that. (laughs) I steals from him. He's like, wait, where's my body pillow? It's it's a fucking protein bar. Yeah, where's my protein, Dakamura? (laughs) It's so good. I mean, I have one of those, but you know. Of course, yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure what else to say about him. He's just very straight-laced. He is the secondary protagonist, which also this series is interesting that they really go hard on having a female protagonist. Absolutely notable for Shonen Jump. You can tell, like, it's a group of protagonists, but Risa Ioi is absolutely the main character. All of the other characters are kind of there to, like, sort of bounce off of her. She's, she's poochy. Actually, though, but, but I'll, tell, I'll talk about it later. Okay, why don't we go into his twin brother, Ukon? I feel like there's less to say about Ukon. Well, yeah, that's because he dies eight chapters in. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Uh-oh. <laughs> Definitely getting a point on the chibi app, because I was like, one of these two is gonna die. I heard that, and I was like, that motherfucker. I just feel like all my guesses were incorrect. <laughs> but yeah, so, so the thing about Ukon, whereas Sakon is kind of like a dumb guy who lifts a lot of weights and is uh, is just very hot-blooded in an anime sense, Ukon loves candy, like loves candy like a lot. And he's a lot more cerebral and a lot more put together, I would say. Like, whereas Sakon is kind of not super aware of the goings-on in... In, um, in, like, the police station, you can tell that Ukon is a lot more plugged in. They may be twins, but it really does feel like Ukon is the older brother. Yeah. Don't they say he's the older brother? No, they're twins. You're, like, a second older. Couple seconds older, sure. I've dealt with a lot of twins, you can tell. Okay, okay. I lived with a pair of twins, and one was named James, and one was John. And John was like, yeah, they weren't expecting twins, so they just kind of made up a name on the spot for me, and that really set the tone <laughs> oh, of my no. relationship with my parents, no! so... <laughs> it's all right. I'm sure their uncle Bill Finkner, uh, F- William Finkner, famous movie stars, made sure everything was fine. I've told my William, Fi- my I just said Billiam. Billy- William, <laughs> William makes some good content. Uh, some William Finkner. Thought you were making a Billy MC <laughs> reference. No, I was making a Bill. There's a dude named Billiam who I want on the show. He's a fun guy. He's like. Digimon was weird. Yeah. That's it. And then he always ends the episode saying, guys, I'm tired and depressed. I don't want to make any more content. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) I should just end all my podcasasts that way now. Mood. (laughs) He'll be the new super eye patch we'll full simp for. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, there we go. We're really racking up the score of things that we talk about in every episode. Maybe if you took a page out of Ioi's uh, book, you know, maybe you could you could get Super Eye Patch Wolf's information. You know, you just gotta fall in love with him. Speaking of cops, Max, tell us about the chief of police. Yeah, so so the chief of police, uh, Akirika, he, he's kind of introduced as like sort of like this unsavory character, almost on the level of Risa. Everyone's like, oh, he has like all these rumors about him and like, you know, they'll make you disappear if you don't do your job well. But literally the second panel, he's just like this complete goofball who is in the, the neighborhood housewife gossip circle. And <laughs> I loved that. He's the comic relief character, basically. And you say chief of police, uh, police rather, but the of the division. Yeah, because he gets deposed as the chief of the first criminal investigation division because he's like, all right, we got to get rid of this guy. Like, put it, put him with Risa and Sakon. Let him, let him do the imaginary numbers. He is a really fun character, though, because again, as the comic relief, the series is already pretty kind of tongue in cheek. Like, the characters will crack jokes despite being, you know, about crime and murder and all that. But Akirika really kind of like takes it to a new level just by how weird and silly he is, and the fact that when you learn that he's the one writing this story, like after the fact, is like, oh interesting like it did seem unnecessary but sure i guess he also wants to be a writer too why not <laughs> a moment that really set the tone for him was when i comes back and he's like all right you fucked up enough it's time to be executed you want to be shot or poisoned <laughs> yes. she picks poison and she takes it and her partner um Sakon, uh mashal jr <laughs> he's like we'll split it we'll both take the poison you know which was cute and then they're like wait this is candy he's like oh did i switch the cyanide with the poison again i guess they live another day does he also like shoot the floor when he does that too <laughs> This series has zero respect for gun violence, but I will get yeah. into that and why it failed, because that bothered me unironically a lot. Sure. But yeah, I call, I said he's very motherly, and yeah, he gains blackmail by gossiping with the wives of his superiors. It's really good. The, the MC is his daughter. So I don't know, Jordan, is he a wholesome anime dad? Is he considered the guy from Spirit Busters? He's an anime mom. I don't know how wholesome he is. <laughs> when your, your daughter is kind of a pseudo- criminal yandere your fake daughter mm -hmm. yeah he, there's only so much you can do when you have a yandere daughter to encourage her hobbies without her actually kidnapping people i love the the running gag of she's my daughter no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the next character speaking by the way of people who don't care about gun violence uh Hamora. oh mm -hmm. you mean one of the best characters i've ever read in my entire life yeah. <laughs> she loves her guns they treat her like her children i will not lie that was one of the funniest things i read is how her gun she tucks her gun into like a a little bed with a pillow a tiny bespoke <laughs> blanket for it by the way they if you haven't seen it watiki the director of thor ragnarok made a bunch of mini thor like five minute skits and that was one where thor has like a bed and then he has a dresser which is pulled out and has a small bed for his hammer <laughs> yes I thought that her guns, the names of her guns were references to different horror movies because the first one, Clarice is the one that she tucks in when we get introduced to her. I believe Jason is the name of the one that she uses when they're chasing the truck. I don't, did we get a name of a third gun? It's probably Freddy. Yeah, yeah, She just pulls out her gun and it's like, you won't escape Jason. Yeah, they have names and personalities. Of course they do. I also really loved when she's eating. And she decides, okay, it's time for lunch for this gun. And then that means that she just reloads the gun. There's a dude in high assassination classroom who eats using his gun. <laughs> so if you've ever seen that picture of a dude like putting his gun in a thing of uh, ramen, that's from where that's from. <laughs> oh, good. Tremendous. Oh, let's uh, wrap up the characters with the last character. Max, I feel like you're a little behind in talking about characters. So let's give you Phantom Thief. Because you didn't see it coming. If you didn't see it coming, last surprise, uh, listen to last surprise on YouTube. Uh, Phantom Thief Mar is, we get introduced to them as this sort of like 
mysterious shrouded art thief who who steals paintings and returns them completely defaced you know does like the little marker graffiti on them drawing a funny face over the mona lisa again they canonically stole the mona lisa which is just like okay that's <laughs> yeah. a, it, the, the, the humor injected is like so casual sometimes that that's what i like about it so much but we learned that the phantom thief mar is actually just a very beautiful woman whose whole thing is like sort of uh pursuing beauty she, she, she wanted to be her dad's masterpiece kind of so the whole thing is uh, so basically her dad was the son of a very famous artist mm-hmm. who just like treated him like shit never showed him any love so what happens is her father paints a portrait of her and tries to imbue it with like all the love that he feels toward his daughter and his father says you shouldn't paint with love love distorts reality never love anyone even to your own children yeah and then the grandfather dies right. and then the father uh sadly commits suicide because his entire life had been built around gaining his father's approval Tragic backstory. But it worked. They're unique enough. They're not as by the book as I expected them to be. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) She's on the dark web. Her hair is very sparkling and she actually returns always love. So she was in lesbians. They were in lesbians. I will say it is surprising how nobody even mentions it as a weird thing. Yeah. The most we get is I think Sakon mentions it. It's like, oh, I didn't realize you were into girls. And like, that's literally it. There's no one like jokes about it. No one goose on it. I'm like, wow, this is very refreshing. And for Mar, they don't even do that. There's nothing. It is just like, no, yeah, of course. She's a criminal. Of course she's into her. And of course, yeah, Mar's into Ioi because Ioi's cute. Yeah, what? Yeah. If it's cute, what's the problem? Exactly. And also, she's uh, obsessive in the same way. (laughs) Oh, they would have been so cute together. Damn, we both fucked up. They fucked up. And you know what else? The series also had some fuck-ups, so why don't we talk about why it failed? Debatably, but let's let's start the debate. Put an asterisk there and go on. Hey, you can't shit on me. That was a good transition. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Let's just start with the first one. This series needed to pick a lane. It rebooted itself at least, I think, three times. Did it? Every eight chapters, it seemed to have redesigned itself. Like, look at all the plot threads it completely dropped. Like, Jordan, you even admitted that they never concluded the kidnapper plot. Well, yeah, that's because the series got canceled after 20 chapters. What, would you rather than the rush at the end like we see it happen all the time in this in these series and they never work? They had three chapters left that they could have used. Why did they have that kid show up at the end for just sequel bait? It's like what they did in Tokyo Shinobi Squad. I think that's very different from Tokyo Shinobi Squad. This is much more of a like case of the week type series than an ongoing plot. I don't know. I just felt like it was just really half-assed and they really wanted to care more about the characters rather yes, than they it being kind of care more about the characters. Uh, that is exactly what happened. So they have that's the police part of this police series. But David, they made the characters better. Also, the explanations are there and they're funny. Like the last one at the very end, it's literally the last thing that happens. Ioi is cornering a guy that she tracked because she is able to see his fingerprints like with her naked eye and she can match them that way. And it's like, you can't do that. (laughs) Power of love, anything's possible. Exactly. (laughs) I just dislike how the series really just didn't know what it needed, wanted to do. And it just kept throwing different ideas to see what would work. Like it shouldn't have gotten this far where it needed to solve reboot itself and Jordan Jordan has like a fetish for manga that reboot itself midway through like Jojo or Fist of the oh, North yeah, Star I'm the one here who likes Jojo yeah you've been on far more podcasts talking about Jojo than I have I think I've talked about Jojo on one I've talked about Jojo on two podcasts now it's on one episode of the Chip and Ironicus podcast all right so maybe I have. yeah take that David <laughs> you got me oh no I'm losing Oh, that's okay. But jokes on you, I'm in Florida right now. I'm going to go to the beach after this. Oh, hey. yeah, say, say hi to Jolene. David doesn't like part six either. <laughs> yeah, I also don't like that part of JoJo. Oh, so maybe I just beans. don't like manga with strong female protagonists. 
No, I like Soul Eater. <laughs> yes, I'm not a sexist. I like Soul Eater. Fuck yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess another issue I really had, though, is as we talked about, I think we can all agree, though, it was very tasteless with the mm-hmm. gun violence. And I get it's Japan, but still, there was a level of ignorance and immaturity with how they approach it. Like, people just point their guns at each other as a joke. It's a no-no. It's a bad message to the kids reading this. It's just a dis... <laughs> Because this is for teens. So they're saying, oh, well, you know, it's unlikely they'll casually be able to access a gun in Japan like in America. But if this series had become big in America, that could have been a controversy where they actively showed characters saying yeah, it's not a big deal to point a gun Man to someone. in the same comic book. Yeah, I, I feel like Chainsaw Man, the vibe is a little, you know, a little more gratuitous towards the violence in that. There's nothing inherently R-rated about this series. I just don't feel like I've read anything here that was more violent than most manga that I read. Like, even with regard to guns. I, I don't- I'm not talking about that. I'm. That's what I'm saying, is that if this series definitely was appropriate for someone that was probably two or three years younger than the Chainsaw Man audience, I really would not want to give them a series consistently showing that gun violence is a mm-hmm. joke to 12 and 13 year olds. I think maybe like maybe the most glaring example of that is during the bank robbery where Aoi just like turns around just like shoots a dude right in the shoulder to be like no pay attention to me like fuck off other hostage this is this doesn't involve you I was like oh ooh ooh I like you a lot Risa don't do that ooh yikes <laughs> well it was all part of the bamboozle yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah it was a weird element that didn't need to be in the series that they just had point guns at each other or how her chief he discharges a gun by shooting it in the floor multiple times as a joke but those were all jokes like I, I just that was, don't no, see no that was a real gun the joke is he he was like oh i kept missing by shooting into the floor oh uh, excuse me david it was a drawing of a gun <laughs> what they're all drawings because you were reading a comic jordan yeah i know actually a lot of them weren't drawings because a lot of them were cgi models that is very true there was a lot of cgi yes, in this yes, fucking yes, series, very oh, this series did a did a lot of shortcuts like her outfit was just a filter he added note depth to it yeah, so it's just yeah, a yeah. flat texture put on the clothes I will say, though, like when it comes to those kinds of shortcuts, the manga industry is famously terrible condition wise. So, yeah, if there's a shortcut, take it by all means. If it's what you got to do. Did you guys notice the two chapters where just every single drawing was a 3D model during the Phantom Thief Mar arc? Um, it's like the one before I shows up. And yeah, like almost every other uh, every panel, if you look in there, it's like, is that just a 3D model? <laughs> And then also, if you go to the next few chapters, the compositions change drastically because the artist is drawing them again. For like one or two chapters, there's just a ton of 3D models of people. There definitely was a point. I couldn't pinpoint it, but I think you're onto something here because there's definitely a couple of times where I looked at a person and I was like, that doesn't, huh? I what? think that the art and the consistency of the art is probably the series' like biggest failing in my mind. When it looks good, it looks good. It has an issue with consistency. And again, it's like, I don't want to be too hard on the author themselves because I know how awful the working conditions are, but like still would have been better if you were able to draw it. Also, the artists just, even when they had time, like the action in the show a moment, it just still felt very stilted. Like there wasn't a lot of breaking the model or whatever that, you know, expression cartoon is where characters kind of disproportionate to show emphasis on their emotion. Splash and stretch. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of that, which we've noticed when series have a particular model that they try and do very mm-hmm. highly detailed. They don't want to cartoonize their characters in such a way, which is why the action feels so impactful in things like Chainsaw Man and One Piece, where they don't care if characters keep their proportions in order to get an emphasis to the action. That's also a big issue with CG. Interestingly, Overwatch is really good about implementing that, even though it's a video game. Yeah, same with uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. really oh, does cool, it. Oh, yeah. I know you guys really want to go into what it well, so is there anything else? Because I feel like we're going to just sound nitpicky mm-hmm. besides me bringing up my issues 
issues. I think they're valid points. I don't know, David. I know you guys liked it a lot more, so I'm happy to go into what it did well, since you guys are just going to yell at me about anything else I say about why I didn't, just like didn't it. get it. I just didn't get it. I do think, though, the pacing was also weird. Like, there's not really any downtime in the series. It's just case after case. I get they tried to do the thing with the hotel, but then that turned into a case. Like, we've talked about, there is no in-between, and I'll definitely go into some ideas I think that really would help with the pacing added a sense of identity to the characters in the where it could have gone section. But I do want to say also that as well, where it just felt very frantic because it was really trying to get in a lot because I think the series could tell it didn't have a lot of time. Hence why it rebooted itself like three (laughs) times. They weren't even really reboots. They were just time skips more than anything. I don't feel like things really changed between them. Like the dynamic of the story didn't change each time, you know, like that's the thing with reboots. Like when Yu-Gi-Oh! rebooted itself, it completely changed the entire format of the show. Like same with Yu Yu Hakusho. Max, are you familiar with Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, no, no, never heard of it in my life before, actually. Uh, you can go check it out on your own time. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I do feel like the reboot, it was much more CSI at the start and then it became more character driven and then it became more case driven, if that yeah. makes sense of really how I felt each reboot changed. It never dropped it. It just changed the ratio between those in different sections because the offer wasn't really sure what the audience most liked Mm -hmm. about the series. Like, you never see super high, intense CSI investigation beyond the first case. I think kind of to that point, to me, the biggest problem with the series is what it, it really did take its time getting going. And I think the fact that it tried these sort of different like storytelling formats and couldn't really stick with any of them was definitely to its detriment in a major way. I do think it still had some good elements. Even I, the person who clearly likes the series mm-hmm. at least. So why don't we turn it to what it did well? Yeah. So Max, as someone that I know was a fan of the series, why don't you tell us really what were some things that you enjoyed about the series? When it comes to actually writing the story itself and mainly putting twists in the story, this is a sort of crime mystery thriller. It's a mix of a couple things, but I think the manga does a really good job of actually giving these very interesting twists to everything. There is a very good element of suspense here when it does this sort of classic thing of, oh, the criminal's getting away. How is this going to work? Or like, oh, they're second away from being blown up by a bomb. Like, how are they going to get out of this one? And whenever a case is resolved, I think it always happens in a very, like, pleasing and very believable way. Believable in the world of the series. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There, there is always, of course, suspension of disbelief. And the entire premise of it, <laughs> <laughs> she's a detective who falls in love with criminals is like, all right, I'm just going to tuck this one away and read as if that's a normal thing for it to happen. But I think the element of crime and mystery is really is from the start, I think, pretty good. And in a way, like done in a way that made me want to keep reading and kind of grab me immediately because, you know, it does the the first chapter is like twice as long as a regular chapter is. And that really grabs you the twist of, oh, the person who you think is being stalked is the criminal in this case. And the stalker is the is the main character. And it's like, OK, that is a very interesting concept. Like, I think it is a pretty novel concept overall. I can't. I mean, obviously, I personally can't think of any the other series that has done something like this. <laughs> and I, I had this troubling realization as I was reading. I was like, oh, this is just the Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Some sort of I tell C? <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it's the whole thing of we're using criminals to catch other criminals. And that concept in and of itself, I think, isn't anything noteworthy. The twist of the criminal does it through the power of love is like, okay, that's what kept me going. So I I think sort of the main core strength of the series is that the gimmicks are played up well enough that they all seem unique and they all seem novel. I was like, okay, I want to see what the next gimmick is. I want to see where the manga is going to bring this next because I know even if it jumps around in the sort of form, there's going to be some core mystery 
some core twist, some reveal, the prestige, if you will, <laughs> that is pleasing to the audience. I think that's kind of like the biggest strength of the series here. I mean, I think all the characters are definitely fun. Yes. I think that was one of my favorite things. Like, there's no character that I was annoyed by or thought they were not holding their weight in terms of the actual plot of the series. Mm-hmm. I also want to say, um, something I've noticed in a lot of things, like this happens a lot in Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Ah, Colonel. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, people think about it and they think about it like, uh, oh, that's an extremely dark and serious series because like if you play <laughs> out the plot of what happens and say that those things, yeah, it comes off as pretty dark. But when you play the game, everything you do is like some joke. There's all these like silly things you can do throughout the whole series. If those weren't there, I think the darkness would just make it feel so edgy and so like heavy. And that's kind of what I feel here. You have a serial killer who kills people and cuts off their hands, a bunch of murderers and stuff that she's going after. But because she is such a ray of light and because there is so much humor and so many jokes, it stops it from becoming like too much. Mm -hmm. It provides enough comic relief. You don't get bogged down in how depressing and sad everything is. Like right when you're about to, Risa will like wink at the camera or say, I love you or something like really weird and cute and funny. The guy who made Breaking Bad was like, having comedy what really makes a good drama great. Mm-hmm. Like The Wire, Breaking Bad, and Men all had very strong comedy elements to it, and you just need that. You know, Jordan, what's a series with a lot of really strong dramatic writing that's really funny that ran in Shonen Jump? Ooh, um... I knew what you wanted me to say, David. <laughs> I knew what you wanted me to say. Jujutsu Kaisen. JoJo's does it pretty well, Jojo, too. JoJo, yeah. JoJo is funny. Jujutsu Kaisen, yeah. I mean, One Piece, I would say, is like 50% humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what had no jokes? Godspeed, Phantom Seer. Phantom Seer's had bad jokes. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Bone Collection. Funniest series. Oh, so <laughs> funny. I mean, yeah. The series was actually funny. I think the series also had a lot of cute little details, like how the brother who was always eating candy was always offering people candy kind of in the background as like little speech bubbles. Mm-hmm. Like the main character, he was always working out or eating protein bars. And so I think this author definitely had a lot of care for this series. We've seen series where they phone it in like Phantom Seer. And even if a series isn't good, you can really tell the difference like with Hell Warden where he cared about what he was doing. Yes. He just wasn't that great at the art or the writing. But he definitely wanted to make the best series he could. He had the idea of what he wanted these characters to be before he like started writing the stories. You can tell it was well thought out. Just the execution itself wasn't as good. No one makes a story like I tell C because they want to just make millions off of anime merch. Mm-hmm. As we can see, it's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It deserved to be canceled. But anyway. Oh. Also, uh, good, good use of LGBT representation. So much. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel, though, thinking about that whole, like, she loves everyone, because that is also kind of like a stereotype of bisexual and pansexual people that they're just whore themselves out to everyone, which is definitely not the case. So that's making me think they lose a few points, but still, they definitely get some points for having an LGBT protagonist. I'm more okay with that because, like, she doesn't love everybody because because she's bisexual that's incidental like she loves everybody because that is the main thing that she does and in loving everybody that makes her pansexual it isn't the same as being like well i'm bisexual so i just constantly have hook up with a billion anonymous random people i have horny disease it's not like that well do you guys want to go uh well actually first we have to go to where it could gone and then Mm -hmm. we can dive into miscellaneous thoughts does that sound good all right let's mosey on over so uh jordan take it away though with where do you feel like the series really could have gone the series set up a big bad kind of it was uh it was her original 
kidnapper. And they begin to tell a story. It's interesting because um, the person who kidnapped her is not the person on the wanted poster for who kidnapped her. It, it is implied the kidnapper brainwashed or manipulated somebody else into kidnapping Ayoi. Ayoi loves the guy who is accused of kidnapping her, but actually hates the guy who uh, caused the kidnapping. Karu, I think. I thought that was really interesting because like, oh, you see where her love stops. And I think that that would have been more explored specifically with that character. We don't find out what happened to the character who is accused of kidnapping her. I can't tell if it's implied that he's out there somewhere or if he's dead. It kind of could mean uh, one or the other. I think the way that the author was going to do it is that this guy will have also been in hiding because he is accused of committing the kidnapping. And he seems to be her ultimate goal. Like, she will try and find him and help him. Meanwhile, the crazy dude who set it all up and seems to be kind of breaking the fuck out of the fourth wall a lot mm -hmm. of the time because he's a novelist and he's arranging yeah, the characters. He doesn't have a pulse. He's very, very weird. Do you guys read My Hero Academia? I watched it. I didn't read it. I didn't know Bakugo breaks the fourth wall. I never noticed until this week that he does that. Really? I never noticed it before, but in the latest chapter, he says, look at him. He's even drawn differently. <laughs> really? And like, apparently he's made jokes like that before. And I just have never known. He has some sort of dark awareness. Oh, my goodness. And the character was. So I was just like, what the when the fuck did character break the wall in this series? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just needed to tell someone that. That's cool. But yeah, I, I think it would have done that. I I think that the bad guy might have died. Maybe Risa would have even killed him or or she would have almost killed him. And then somebody would be like, wait, Risa, don't. No, it's OK. And then they would have given her the love. It would have been beautiful. Why did this have to get canceled? Canceled. Anyway, David, what, what do you think? Uh, you mean where it could have gone? Yes. Jordan, the series got canceled, so I don't think there's anywhere for... <laughs> don't tell me that. Say it ain't so. Here's what I think would have been a good in-between moment, or ma, an expression used by Ghibli of why sometimes there's just these little vignettes where they don't actually contribute anything to the plot. It's just really to give you pacing. And I think something that really could have been kind of the glue in between these cases is have her go actually see a psychologist. This is part of her requirement of working the police, which is another unique element because obviously actual professional therapy in a shonen series is interesting and have her talk about how she feels. And I think that would have been a really cool element because pacing really lets you delve into psychology and have something that's not just crime, crime, crime all the time because right. it really also adds some validity of how they're able to keep someone mentally unstable as a police officer if maybe this is part of their agreement of how she can maintain her position in the force. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if this series needs more validity though. It's like the um, series needed something in between the cases. I think sort of to that note, what could have been is we saw this when after she captures the bank robber, she visits him in prison. And I think that that could have been a good way to break up cases like maybe she goes back and visits some of the other criminals. And yeah. like it feels almost not part of her character to kind of have trouble tracking them down. But like it could be a sort yeah. of way to she goes back to previous criminals and like by talking with them, she helps realize a, a new way to figure out and get close to the next criminal. So you could kind of break up the main crime with going back to a previous characters because like the criminals even though they're one-offs they're all pretty well fleshed out and fun characters she just has her harem yeah exactly they could have done a silence of the lambs thing with her kidnapper where she actually did catch him and then she's locked oh. up and now she has to talk to him like maybe there's like a big kidnapping case that would be cool the series could have just worn the reference on the sleeve that's fine the series could have gone away with that i mean she does have a gun called clarice exactly 
It all ties together. <laughs> I was really surprised that they didn't do that when they brought him in so early. It felt like they had maybe one or two cases at most after the bomb case where there would be random criminals and then it would get back to the main plot of chasing the main kidnapper. But I feel like, again, I mean, this is going back to the, the what series could have done better, but like the pacing between that is too great. It's not snappy enough. And I do like the idea of like returning to these criminals to like um, dig into that relationship there mm-hmm. more. because I, I agree, Max, like that moment uh, at the end of the bank robber situation where she's in the room with him is really nice. It also makes it feel more like, no, she actually does genuinely care even when they're arrested. Yeah. Which she does. She does. Just like definitely no question about that. And then now that you guys have liked my first idea, I'm going <laughs> to give an idea that's probably a bit stranger where I feel like it would have been interesting to see Sakon as an alcoholic just because, two reasons, I think that would have been an interesting development because he just seemed a little too pure. He didn't really have any mental issues or anything. And I really feel like it would have been an interesting development to have developed after his brother died because I feel like that really wasn't a very impactful death. It kind of reminds me of Jojo where um, Okuyasu doesn't really care that his brother died except for like that one fight against Red Hot Chili Pepper. You don't see him like mourning or his emotional state being disrupted until he literally faces the guy who directly killed his brother. And I always thought that was weird. Yeah. Same thing with this where he's like, oh, my brother died. Anyway, because <laughs> the reason I pick alcohol is because they talk about this poison with poison. Yeah. So he literally could be poisoning himself while dealing with this person everyone calls poison. And I thought that's an interesting quality, especially because he thinks physical health is so important. That really shows how much he's degraded that he's doing one of the least healthy things you can do that you can show in a shonen manga. Ukon didn't pass his final hamon to Sakon, right? He just said, change the world, my final message, and then dies, and yeah. then the next chapter we're just completely fine. I do want to throw out here, this is hilarious. Like, so the moment in which Ukon is killed, he's killed by the theoretical big bad. Yeah. It's a cool little thing they do there. He kills Sakon because he feels that Sakon is a cliche character, but uh-oh, Ukon actually took the bullet, which was great because it felt like the author more or less was just just wrote in himself in a way that didn't feel super jarring to just be like, nah, I'm sick of this character. Bye. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. I was actually impressed how blatant <laughs> he got without actually breaking the fourth wall. Hey, if My Hero Academia could get away with it and people just didn't even realize it's a series that breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. That's the thing is this series really could have made one or two changes and it really, really would have improved itself in its book. But we'll get into that in the final thoughts. For now, let's talk about miscellaneous thoughts. Max. Yay. Take it off. Bring us to the max. With your panded million max ideas. To hone in on the one thing that I was like, oh, this is a genuinely really, really cool quirk of writing is when uh, Risa is talking to the bomber and she figures out the password to the bomb because you realize he's been speaking entirely through the alphabet, like A-E-U-A-O. And I don't know exactly how the, the katakana alphabet goes. Unfortunately, it is the Japanese alphabet, but it is the English letter that corresponds to the Japanese alphabet. I took a, a couple of translation courses in school. So I have this soft spot for like language and interactions between languages. So the fact that they took the time to translate the whole alphabet thing into English and have it still make sense is like, wow, genuinely a very, very cool thing. Because, you know, you, you see him going, ah, eh, ooh, eh, oh, ka, ke, ku, ke, ko, wa, we, wu, we, wo, like just everything, the entire thing. You can go back and read it and you realize, oh, this matches up entirely. I mean, I don't want to say genius. I don't want to give it like this insane amount of praise, but it genuinely, I was like, wow, that was so cool. It was one of the coolest things I've read in a long time. We need to set you up with Tucker, the guy who makes uh, our guide and stuff. He'll love to have another language person to talk to. We'll set you guys up on a double date. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't tell Max's girlfriend. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. 
What happens in Texas stays in Texas. <laughs> Max, where are you in the world? Uh, Virginia. Nice. Not far from us. For me, I'm in, I'm in Philly. I'm in New York. I still remember Jordan, our friend, other Jordan, who was like, man, I don't know when I'll get a chance to come back to New York, Philly. I'm like, dude, it's like a two-hour drive. And he's like, wait, shit, it's so really? easy to get there, yeah. <laughs> Speaking, though, of good puns and translation, I thought Interrodate was actually a pretty good joke. Yeah, that was cute. I wrote that down. I can't think of a better name for like that idea. <laughs> Interrodate. Shout out to the localizer. We should see what it is. Max, we've had a translator on before. Really? Fascinating. The official translator of Our Blood Oath joined us, and he's also the official One Piece translator. Ow. So, told us what the One Piece is. Can't tell you. Ah, uh, it's okay. I'll- Maybe you'll find out on Patreon. We are <laughs> holding the secrets uh, ransom. Mm. I wish this was like the end and we could just have our audio drop. <laughs> uh, I completely unrelated to this. I also want to say I appreciate that they called the chapters episodes because that really added to like the CSI like crime TV drama yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm reading this manga on USA exactly. <laughs> it's a blue sky show. Yeah. Coming to USA, horny cop. There we go. Characters welcome. When you're an obsessive fan cop, sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands and go through the garbage. Eh? All right, all right, okay. We have to mention the punk's hair. Yes, you never see the top of his hair. His hair is like the Doug Dimmodome hat. He shows up and he's wearing like a ski mask. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets arrested and he's in the interrogation room, you see him without the ski mask. And you realize that under the ski mask was an infinitely tall mohawk. Genius. Just reaching up into the heavens. I had to put my phone down when I got to that page. I was laughing so hard. It was so funny. Yeah, that was just unexpected. <laughs> oh, it was great. I do have to go back to the lesbian romance scene where it's just like they're really not dressed in any kind of like sexy way yeah like you know it's one of those things where like i wish i wasn't so shocked by these little things but like i am none of the women in the series are sexualized except for the one that wants to be sexualized she she still has a normal human physique yeah it was sexy in a way that like she would want to be there's a huge difference that like you can tell it's played off like as a normal thing because it is a normal thing but it's you don't see it as a normal thing in manga so it, it does a very good job normalizing it it doesn't like dwell and doesn't make a big deal about it it's just like a part of the story which i really really appreciate i also really liked um the final chapter where they're facing off against the kid who is trying to uh, blow himself up we find out that like he was like falsely arrested because he tried to help a friend and the friend turned on him and then everybody like he turned on him he got suspended and then his friend like uh decided he didn't want to be friends with anymore because he was suspended it was like a really interesting microcosm of how like little mistakes or like one issue can cause like a spiral of events that lead to you doing something you really regret i think it was a really good way to explain the central thesis of the series which is that like not every criminal is like super evil you know sometimes it is just they're confused yeah (laughs) the series manages to do it in a way that doesn't seem as puerile as what i just said (laughs) puerile i like how jordan's always like david you're always using these fancy ass words and you're like puerile word of the day thing all right that was natural baby that just came right out for me you know (laughs) your vocabulary is very embiggened i get it (laughs) it's wumbo i would say yeah 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 (laughs) I think that's everything for my uh, for my miscellaneous thoughts. Yeah. We are almost near the end, so let's take it to the final verdict. Final verdict. So, my six-word... final verdict. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. My six-word summary is a powerful alternative to modern policing. You know, we talk a lot about how we need to defund the police, and what should we replace them with, you know? Like, 
People have suggested like a, a lot of social workers. I think that we should replace them with um, people who are obsessive stalkers, but have the criminals uh, best intentions in their heart. I think that that makes the most sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Better than what we're doing now. <laughs> David, I like your six word summary, but I'm going to ask Max, what's your six word summary? Mine is love is more dangerous than crime. That's really good. She relures the news. Power of love. You know, I like it. That's a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I already have it on me. Yeah, that'll be the new one is instead of uh, was this a flop or not? Would you tattoo something from this manga on you or not? My ass will just be a collage of good manga. That'll be the tattoo that keeps me from getting buried in the Jewish cemetery. <laughs> My ass is the pages of Shonen Jump. Thick anthology. And I'm just waiting for Jordan to ask me. David! Oh, hey, what's up? What's your six word summary? Romance of the three coptums. And then, because that was five words, I also wanted to add a cap again. Hell yeah. You really captured it all. That's what we call a professional move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amateurs don't know that shit. Yeah, they don't know that pro move. Or like how I say, sometimes I'll just say the punctuation. Yep. <laughs> These are all uh, hidden techniques. David's just giving them to you, listener. Write this down. You don't even have to pay for this one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I once said six-word summary as part of my six-word summary because it was four words and I just couldn't change it. Oh, fuck. Well, I don't remember what that is. It was when we did Ozu, because mine was my hero is Utopia, and we were like, dude, you can't, you can't. That's just really, really <laughs> fucking good. You just, you have to let me do three words. So I just really cheated to make it technically six words, because that probably the best six word summary I ever wrote, and it was three words. It's powerful. It's pretty good. Because it's literally by the guy who made My Hero Academia made a series about a zoo. Huh. Well, yeah, if you didn't get why, that was really clever. That's why. <laughs> Even better, the more I learn, better it gets. David wants to make sure you fucking know how clever he is. <laughs> My W's are so rare. Do I have to talk about the Discord pins? David, you are a W. I am a DW, that's right. <laughs> Speaking, though, of Ds, like I tell C, uh, can see Ds nuts. Uh, hey. Got him. Max, was this a flop or not? The series may be called I tell C, but I tell A is the ranking that is to say it is not a flop in my eyes. Did you say as the ranking max? Like there's like a hierarchy. And so because you're the only max here, you're the highest ranked max in this conversation. You know, I always this is complete aside, but I always make a joke whenever something has like a max preface, like you play Pokemon and you get like a max potion. I always joke, oh, it's just a potion to me. <laughs> My middle name is Max. So how does that tie into things? You're one of us now. Congratulations. Yeah, buddy. I'm the only one out. Oh. Yeah, I guess you're not to the max, Jordan. But I would say Max is still like head max in the room. He's the Maximilian. Exactly. Pegasus. 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 More like Max Bajillion. Anyway, Jordan, <laughs> flop or not? Lay it on me so you can tell. This is not a flop at all. This rules. This series owns. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even going to fuck fucking pretend. This is not a flop. This is good. This is a good it's series. Good. You guys ready for mine? Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Hit us. I thought it was a flop. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing surprise Pikachu face. What a surprise. We can't be friends anymore. We never were. It's okay. Anyway. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> thank you for having me on the final episode no! of Shonen Flop. Yeah, this is our final episode. Why don't you thank you all for liking and subscribing. You can just fuck off now. <laughs> now um, to be clear, this series is definitely... This is like... Um, this is not the worst series we've read. Mm -hmm. This is like Spirit Busters, where it's just barely not a flop. So many things just didn't work, in my opinion. And I think it really could have made some changes to make it really interesting. And I thought the pacing was off. I just didn't like some of the ways they approached certain things. It's just one of those things where I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree because some of the things yeah. you liked about the series, I just yeah. didn't like. So, since I have the pleasure of thinking this was a flop, I am going to recommend Pluto. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but essentially, it's by the guy who made Monster and 20th Century Boys, which 20th Century Boys also super good. Monster, I still need to read 
read it, but man, that's long. It is, what if Astro Boy was a dark and gritty retelling? Ooh. And it's like this crime drama about robots killing people, robotic rights. If you create an AI, are they your child? Should they be viewed that way? And really, what does it mean to be a family when you're an artificial creation? What does it mean to be built for a thing for violence? For instance, there's a robot that was a military robot that killed lots of people because it had very articulate hands and it ends up retiring becoming a pianist to make use of the wow. articulation in its hands. Oh, I like that. So it's a really, really great read. Very nice. And then since you guys, though, did not think it was a flop, Max, have you read Chainsaw Man? I haven't. So many people have recommended it to me. And I feel like since the anime has been announced, everyone, like my entire Twitter timeline is Chainsaw Man post. And I'm like, I should probably read this one day, huh? Yeah. If we haven't made it clear, this is essentially the Chainsaw Man podcast mm-hmm. where we occasionally talk about canceled manga. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we love Chainsaw Man, don't we, folks? I would get a Puchita tattoo. He's just such a good boy. <laughs> Puchita will keep you from being born, from being buried in the Jewish cemetery. Ain't that the Prince of All Saints? <laughs> Fuck off. Anyway, Max, so what is the best? What's the best Gundam? What's the best oh, geez. Gundam? Um, Besides G Gundam, which is the best Gundam. That is what we're currently doing on Welker Robot, actually. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why he asked. Oh, geez. The best Gundam, I think from an objective standpoint, it's got to be Zeta, which is the sequel to the original Gundam. It is like, in my mind, a perfect sequel, sort of encapsulating what the original did and expanding on it. Uh, yeah, I've always heard Zeta is like considered the best from like a critical standpoint of all the Gundam series. Near the end of Zeta, we were doing like three hour episodes on the regular just because there was so much to unpack and talk about. It's wonderful. I'm going to have to check it out then because I've been meaning to get into Gundam, but there's just so much Gundam and there's only one series that's like G Gundam and it's G Gundam. But yeah, anyway, um, Max, so is this better or worse than Zeta Gundam? Uh, I mean, it's worse just because Zeta Gundam is such a high bar to clear. Yeah, I feel ya. With a heavy heart, I must say. Zeta's just too good to beat. Similarly, as much as I did really, really like Itel C, it's, it's not as good as Chainsaw. Don't feel bad, because again, Chainsaw Man, like, we love Chainsaw Man here. It's always a joke, Jordan. We're never going to read something probably that we would legit... I don't... Did we think even Time Pod Paradox Ghost Rider was close to being as good as Chainsaw Man? I don't think so. It's on another level. Like, I feel like we should do an episode where we just read Watchmen and then just talk about how much better Chainsaw Man is than it. Yeah. It's actually probably close if you really want to talk about it. It's really good. It finished, right? Part one finished. Okay, cool. So there is a fuck ton of things that will reward you for reading the manga when you Mm. watch it that on a reread, like there's shit in like chapter one. That gets referenced in chapter, like, 95. Damn, all right. It's really good. Yeah, there's just, like, a scene where, like, a character bites Denji, and it's extremely important 70 chapters later. I mean, every time I've been bitten in my life has been important, so I can understand that. Yeah, that fucking duck that bit me. (laughs) I actually framed a photo of me with that duck that bit me, Jordan. Did you kill it? Uh, like a killing these podcasts as we go into shoutouts. But also, is this the best thing we've ever read, Jordan? For me, obviously, no. Does this versus Time Paradox? Oh, I don't know. I have, to, I have to reread Time Paradox. This is up there. This is close. This, like, I mean it. This is, like, up there with Mora King. Damn. Call this one a flop. <laughs> we have fun here. We have fun here, yeah. Understandable. Have a nice day. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I know. Not yet. Not yet, buddy. All right. So, you guys ready, though? For, to go to shoutouts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Props to Jordan for making the opening and ending theme you heard and for being a great co-host. Props to Shannon for her awesome cover art. You can find her online at Illuminati and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thank you for Tucker for assistance with pronunciation, translation, and other miscellaneous research. I also want to thank Miriam, Nicole, and Audie for helping with social media. And if you haven't yet, be sure to join the Shonen Flop Discord. Come hang out with us and talk about anime games or whatever else is on your mind. We also have a book club run by the always terrific Luke. Next one, we're going to be... Jordan, what are we reading 
for August Book Club? Oh, we're reading Giant Days, which is a series that um, Luke was like, hey, so I got two series uh, to read. One of them I really like. The other one, Giant Days, is literally one of my favorite comics of all time. Which one do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I want to do the one that you think is the best comic you've ever read. He was a touch biased in this month, but that's fine. Luke, great guy <laughs> on the Mora King episode. So that was a really fun one. Be sure to check it out. Loved Mora King. So as Jordan said, probably the second best series we ever read after Time Paradox. I went into the Pot of Greed Discord at one point and just started posting about how much I love Mora King. Just like me and my Gomez posting. Oh, yes. You and your Gomez. And our dedicated Gomez channel in the Discord, speaking of. And you can find a link to that in the description of the show notes or in our link tree in our bio. And I also want to just remind you, if you have a chance, please, if you're enjoying our show, like, rate, review, and share it. It really means a lot. We're really trying to grow this podcast. It's so awesome how big our audience is, but there's always more room to grow. So if you can do us a favor and just tell one weeb friend you have that hasn't listened to us yet to listen to us, it would really mean a lot to me. I'll have Jordan do your voicemail if you do that. (laughs) Sure. I'll do death growls for your voicemail if you want. <laughs> there you go. And you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcast. And as though as we joked about, we will launch a Patreon soon. Probably won't be ready by the time of this recording. It's coming up. So if there's any content you have on your mind, we have a list. We're happy to share it with people what we're thinking. But if you have any suggestions of things you would like to see, feel free to tweet at us at Shonen Flop. Send us an email or post in the Discord. Or you can write to us in any of those spots for any other reason. Always happy to talk to our fans. And though, speaking though, of people that have been absolutely terrific to talk to as I physically turn to face a wall that Max is not there for some reason. Or am I? Um, <laughs> I, I really don't know why I physically rotated to say this part. But Max, thank you so much for joining us. And where can they find you? Thank you for having me. This is a wonderful time. I'm on Twitter at MaxiBajillion, M-A-X-I-B-A-J-I-L-L-I-O-N. And on my Twitter, there's links to my other shows like I mentioned, Pod of Greed, the world's number one only Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast sponsored by Kaiba Corp. Wow, cool robot, a Gundam show, and Slappers Only video game music showdown podcast. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Uh, with the other Jordan, yes, right? I do that with with the other Jordan who does like a Yakuza podcast and a Secret Life of the American Teenager and a Kyle XY podcast. It's like a virus. Everyone does podcasts; it just spreads. Yeah, there's too many podcasts in this world. David, you will love the title. It is Kyle X comma Y question mark. It's very. I very get it. Good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Let's see. What's the next spot? Oh, yeah. Thanks for thanking me, Jordan. Oh, I'm sorry, David. I'm sorry. It's hot. I had to turn off the AC. It's like 90. Yeah, no, but thank you so much, David, for all the work you put into this, all the editing, uh, all the editing you do. You've been having like a tough week. I want to just say, man, hang in there. You're doing a really good job and I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just been hard being in Florida. You know, I saw a Trump flag and that was great. Uh, sorry. Not recommended. <laughs> being in Florida. David's coming out against Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Florida's the new New Jersey. You can just make jokes about it and everybody recognizes. Making fun of Florida is not new. I did not invent making fun of Florida. I know you didn't. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to play some promos here. Hello, this is Lafayette. And I'm Carlos. From Nerds Talking the Podcast. That's right. Where we talk about everything from UFOs. Yep. Comic books. Like movies. Uh-huh. Streaming services. Yes. Conspiracy theories. Oh. Ghosts. Mm. Video games. Yeah. And more. Kick ass. All on Nerds Talking the Podcast. You can find us every Friday with new episodes on all digital platforms where you find your favorite podcast. Nerds Talking, the podcast. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Max. 
I don't know if you want to take that one again. You sounded a little, like, surprised. No, no, that was, I, my voice cracked a little bit. Keep it. It's good. It's authentic. Max just always sounds surprised. That's, that's his thing, yeah. I am so high-strung. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. No, and you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. 